think editorializing on interesting facts is sort of like the gist of it. What does factual even mean anyway? I mean, it certainly means different things to different people. Ha ha ha. Ha Okay. Uh, welcome to Feature Creep. Colon. Built-in microwave. Semicolon. Semicolon. Yeah. Um, pelargonium. Oh, which, tell me about which that. Is, yeah, so this is a type of a flower that I grow. Awesome. And I thought that they were just geraniums because that's what my grandma called them. Wow. And ever, like everybody's grandma grows these flowers. Yeah. Geraniums, they're kind of like, they don't smell good like flowers, smell sweet and perfumey. Mm. They smell earthy and kind of sharp and pungent. And yeah. they're great. But like everyone grows them because they're super easy to grow. But uh, I noticed when I had um, installed some in my garden recently that there were quite a number of distinct differences from one plant that I had to the next, even though they were all considered geraniums Uh and so i was like hmm i wonder what the difference is and then i went to this internet wormhole and came out on the other side um in a weird place with a british organization that classifies these things but so interestingly enough the etymology of pelargonium is greek and pelargos is the Greek word for stork. And oh. the seed pods of this plant look like the head of a stork. And so that's why it's named interesting. that. Oh, that's yeah. super interesting. Interestingly, the seed heads of a geranium look like cranes. And geranos is the word for crane in Greek. And so... They're both closely related because they both have seed pods that look like bird heads, but some of them look like some bird heads and others look like other bird heads. I see. <laughs> Which is such a subtle difference. Right, right. Like you have to be an ornithologist in order to understand why these flowers are classified this way. Oh, well, I'm sure it made sense to the Greeks. Right. Because they, we won't get into it. I'll talk about that forever. So I <laughs> looked into the... <laughs> Anyway, both of the they both have like these Wait, long stalks. What yeah. does a philosophy major know anything about the Greeks? <laughs> I'm not, it's a can of worms. Okay. That well, um, so the there's these uh, long stalks that have flowers kind of just at the top of the stalk. Yeah. Like they shoot up above the normal foliage line, and they're usually red or yellow or no not yellow there are no yellow geraniums or pelargoniums red orange pink um purple or white in some cases and so um they're in the plant kingdom they're classified as tracheophytes they're from the order geranialis from the family geraniaceae Uh and the genus pelargonium and there are over 200 perennial succulent and shrub uh, flowers in species within the classification. So um, they're apparently the geraniums, which is so they're like almost interchangeable, but not quite. And here's why geraniums are named for the plants that can survive winter, mm-hmm. whereas pelargoniums cannot tolerate cold. So they end up being annuals if you. Like a lot of people just buy them at Home Depot or wherever at giant nursery and plant them once a year in the springtime and just know that they're going to die out in the wintertime. Um, but 
geraniums are actually plants that can survive winter and would not need to be um, either killed off by frost or brought inside or put in a greenhouse or something like that. And so <clears throat> otherwise they're essentially the same. Mm-hmm. One will one can withstand a little bit cold compared to the other. Um, but not all geraniums are hardy. And so like there are definitely none that would survive winter in Minnesota. I can't imagine. Sure. Anything but you nothing plant up survives there. winter in Minnesota is no. my Right. But our friend who lived south of the San Francisco Bay was able to keep his outside and it got enormous and he didn't oh, yeah. even water it or anything. He just left it outside in this giant bin and it just kept growing and growing. I took a lot of cuttings off of that. Yeah. And cloned it a ton. That's cool. Um, yeah. So I have. Are they easy to clone? Yeah. They're really cutting? easy to clone. Yeah. Um, in fact, I have a. At the very end, I have a little set of instructions for how to do that. Oh, uh, we should just try to get in the habit of doing the introductions of I'm Ned. Oh, yeah. And I'm Meg. Oh, yeah. And I'm Damon. Yeah. Yeah. There's three of us today. There's three of us today. Okay. Anyway, we're very professional. We have a formula. We stick to it. We never get off topic. Go. Never. Um, So it's, it's really interesting to me that there's a, another distinction between pelargoniums and geraniums um, that yeah. has to do with their form and their symmetry. So geraniums are radially symmetric. They're actinomorphic, meaning that there's several planes um, of symmetry in the flower heads themselves, whereas um, the pelargoniums are zygomorphic, meaning that you could only, there's only one way, like a face. Uh-huh. There's one line of symmetry over which things are symmetrical and reflected on both sides. Right. And so um, pelargonium, there's only one line of symmetry. Geraniums, you can, uh, the flowers themselves are actinomorphic. So <clears throat> I thought that was really interesting. Um, the other thing is that the leaves of pelargonium palatatum are ivy shaped. They're like drought resistant and sort of rubbery. And so they kind of feel almost like a succulent as opposed to other geraniums that have velvety leaves and they're like kind of. Yeah, those are the geraniums I'm most familiar with. Yeah, yeah their leaves are kind of sort of similar to like if you rub a tomato leaf, your fingers smell like tomatoes. If you love a rubber geranium leaf, your fingers would smell like geranial. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so there's like the, the succulent ones. I have one of those in my garden now. And that's the thing that kind of tipped me off is I was like, why does this one have succulent leaves and the others don't? And I had never seen one with the succulent type ivy leaves before either. <coughs> so it got me thinking, um, pelargoniums grow all over the planet. They're everywhere from temperate to subtropical regions in North America and Europe, I think um, they're South African in origin, and they just grow like crazy in all kinds of different places. Um, they're like they're really easy to grow, and some Lepidoptera eat Pelargonium. And right after I read about that, I went out and I watered my flowers, and some moths came out. So it's clearly moths are using my flowers as a food source, which is kind of cool. Which I don't think I ever would have thought about really necessarily Mm -hmm. like what's eating this plant because there's no evidence of it being eaten it's not diseased or anything 
But now that I've been watering it, every time, every few times I water it, I've noticed that like little moths come out because they're having uh. a snack. And I thought that was cute. <clears throat> yeah. Um, it the name uh, of the this whole naming scheme for these flowers <laughs> that yeah. everybody plants in the yards now um, was proposed in like 1732. But they didn't. It didn't really catch on until, um, let's see, 1790. A French man named Charles Leritier was like, "Yeah, well, we can call these pelargoniums and geraniums. Fine, whatever." Like somebody did all this work to like make all of these distinctions and catalog all of the differences and like. Yeah. I think. Uh, Delenius was the original guy who was like, we should call these flowers this. And then it took like 60 years for people to be like, yeah, we'll get around to that. That sounds right. Um, yeah. Yeah, right. We have to wait for it to pass out. Like whatever common names have to kind of pass out of use, usage a little bit before you can. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Because then we can be like, that's what we used to call it. We call it something else now. Yeah. So yeah, there's. I mean, um, or you're stuck with like an over aggressive like dictionary um like quorum who decide that literal should now be reinterpreted as figurative <laughs> because they can't stand that their teenage sons and daughters or teenage children are misusing it in their mind rather their than mind. just understanding that it's they're just being hyperbolic <laughs> i love how angry this makes you oh it makes me so mad anyway like i don't oh. care like the classification of pluto not a problem <laughs> I like you can call it whatever you want. It has no change on the fact that there is a mass out there that we've observed. Right. Right. You can right. call it a butt as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> oh, but, but, but you're basically, you're not changing the meaning of it. You're just making sure there's better clarity adding anyway. Yes. You're not adding clarity by saying, Oh, some people use literal to mean figurative. No, they don't. Zero people use literal to mean figurative. They mean right. literal just hyperbolically they're wrong yes of course they aren't literally dying but they mean that they're literally dying anyway sorry go on yeah (laughs) yes the important thing here is the the power that the word carries yes exactly it's like well let's just take the let's take some power out of it so that it's it's less useful now entirely (laughs) it just should be out of our lexicon because it's pointless nothing means anything anymore (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) now i'm dying we figured it all out nothing means anything i can die now that's right you can (laughs) sweet release goodbye goodbye so um yeah the registration of cultivars of yeah pelargonium and geranium is the responsibility of the pelargonium and geranium society oh this is great Uh, (laughs) it's the british and uh, which was founded in 2009 by the British Pelargonium and Geranium Society and the British and European Geranium Society. Yes, of course it was. I mean, nothing is more British than having a very specific <laughs> cultivar that you're into and then creating a society around it. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then merging with a continental society. Oh, absolutely. Also well, it gives obsessed it with the same thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right. My first wife's uncle was in an Irish society in Dallas. Oh my God! Of, of course, course he was. Of course, yeah. <laughs> the fucking irises too. People are nuts over yeah. irises. I got a bunch of them and planted them at my house. People who love sobs, 
the car yep. people who love irises and are like weird about the cultivars um mm-hmm. what other i can't think of there's probably plenty of them uh so <laughs> there's like lots of uh, you know official sounding kind of gobbledygook uh-huh. um and there's all of these <sighs> i ran out of room to try and summarize in my notes the way that they categorize and classify and describe all of the like 200 plus varieties of these plants but um they're some of the categorizations are they're zonal they're ivy leaved whether they're regal or angel or unique or scent leaved or (laughs) hybrids Uh um they have codes that indicate whether they have cactus leaves clouded foliage decorative or double foliage dwarf and dwarf ivy leaved um miniature miniature ivy leaved stellar tulip variegated like there's lists and lists and lists and so i kind of think it's like oh column one column two column three column four and you just move down and pick what it is from each of these things and that's what accounts for like this massive variation well what accounts for the massive variation is genetics but sure like there's a name for every iteration of the of the many combination of values that you can assign to this plant, like the like, different phenotype expressions that you can see. Yeah, yeah. Like the color of the petals and, um, you know, whether it's ivy leaved or not. And if it's ivy leaved, whether it's variegated and like blah, 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 blah. So anyway, I, I was sort of like overwhelmed by the amount of stuff that I learned about these flowers. When well, I, was I can just- imagine, I, you know, this makes me think about, um, you know, this is one of those interesting areas I find where you have these man, uh, like, you know, these, these life forms that have been cultivated by man. And so now mm-hmm. there is some, um, some intelligence to the design of them, right? Because they've been selected yes. for various things as opposed to natural selection. It's an unnatural selection. It's like human selection. And so, um, I always think about how, the design of things like that are very interesting because it's a it's a painstaking process of waiting you know going through um generation after generation selecting for particular varieties and flowers um now i don't know about geraniums and what is the their uh what's the other variety the geraniums and pelargonium pelargonium um i i'm just always fascinated by some some group of people have spent some time cultivating these different varieties, mm-hmm. right? Oh, and yeah. selecting for these things and, and attempting to influence and create a particular look or accentuate a particular feature. Um, right. Anyway, I just think it's very interesting that um, we have known about the ability to influence and control for genetic variation in species that we domesticate, like flowers and foods. And cows and, and dogs. Cows and and dogs. Yeah. I mean, right. just all kinds of... Any kind of life we can get our hands on. Yeah. I mean, oh, God. Uh, corn, so especially. Corn, especially. Wheat. Um, soy. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty So, amazing. that's... It's interesting that you say that because it kind of segues into my next... My next um, oh, cool. point yeah, here. Oh, cool. Yeah, because I'm always trying to relate it is, back to design because I'm super sensitive to the fact that someone once <laughs> told me, like, I don't know that you guys are that much about design. <laughs> So now, so the, there are two. This is two hundred more than two hundred examples of like very carefully designed flowers. Yeah, 
Um, so several of the scented leafed varieties are grown for their oil, geraniol, which is an essential oil, and it's used in perfume. Uh-huh. Um, Pelargonian gravi- graviolins is one of them, and it's this lovely, like, kind of rosy scent, but it doesn't, you don't think, oh, that's somebody's sm- smelling roses. Like, you don't think of rose perfume or mm. the flowers roses. It's kind of like a vague sort of soapy, rosy smell. Oh, interesting. I it smells kinda, really clean. Yeah. And it's, I put it in, in a diffuser. Um, there's also Pelargonium citronellum mm-hmm. or, and or citrosum, which are um, very similar. The latter of which citrosum is also known as maple gray and it's a, it's a lemon mosquito plant. And so it doesn't, flower uh, well it's got teeny tiny little flowers but um you can take the leaves and rub them on your skin and that's what i use in my backyard in minnesota to oh. keep the mosquitoes away interesting yeah i'm so, sure some people would not respond well to having the oil on their skin the actual oil right on their skin but I, it doesn't bother me at all so i just put it straight on right, interesting and i love the way it smells yeah um so anytime you get like a citronella candle that's what that is is the essential oil from that plant. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of like small funded research projects, maybe we could get funding to do mosquito research. Hmm. Anyway, side note. That's a good idea. I just bit a cookie. I'm going to talk right through it. Um, like I'm watching, I'm watching Damon chew a cookie and I'm thinking like, yep, <laughs> we'll just turn his mic down when we do the final mix. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. It doesn't matter. So um, there's also Pelargonium capitatum and Pelargonium radens. Radens is a crowfoot rose plant. Uh-huh. Capitatum is um, what they make attar of roses out of, What's which that? is like a perfume oil. Oh, gotcha. Uh-huh. And that's used oftentimes. So it doesn't um, actually have roses in it at all. Right. I mean, the perfume might. In the end, but it has a that, it has a ro- what's classified as a rose geranium because the geranium smells like a rose, but it is not anywhere near part of the rose family when you think of growing roses in a garden. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. So is there one named is there one named Moira? <laughs> <laughs> There's going to have to be now, right? <laughs> um. So if you want to grow them. And you want to take a cutting off of an existing plant, like, oh, that plant's great looking. I would like to make more of that plant. Uh-huh. You can do that by trimming um, with, like, a sharp knife. Um, you find a really good, like, thick, sturdy shoot, uh, like a main shoot on the plant. Uh-huh. And you cut it with a sharp cut just above the knuckle of, like, an offshoot. So oh, interesting. Yeah. It, yeah. Um, and what, what that will do is give you a nice long stalk to work with. Uh-huh. So on the end of the stalk, you dip that in root powder and okay. then you stick the whole thing into a little pot of dirt and you water it. And in mm, how long? I don't know, six to eight weeks, it'll be like a f- plant with full root system. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So you can also... Um, if you want to ensure that the plant bushes out, you want to cut right above that knuckle. Mm -hmm. 
if you want to make for absolutely certain that the stock that you cut off turns into a new plant yeah. and you're willing to sacrifice some additional length of the existing plant to that endeavor, yeah. you can trim the um, cutting below the knuckle uh-huh. and that knuckle itself is going to be really um, where all of the roots come out of. Oh, I mean, it's going it, to, yeah. you can do it from the end <clears throat> of the stock, but it's not going to, you're not going to have as good of a chance of it taking hold. So, okay. so if you can include if, the knuckle, that's a better, I mean, from a yes. survivability point of the cutting. Right. Of course, then when you think back to, I mean, you dip that in rooting powder, you stick that in a plant pot and six to eight weeks is going to be a plant. Yeah. Um, the problem is that leaves a long sticky pointy thing off of the mother plant, right? Right. The plant that you took the cutting off of. And right. so you want to trim that back mm-hmm. so that it's not just hanging out there. And that will encourage, you want to trim down to just above the next knuckle uh-huh. so that you leave that knuckle intact. And that's where a bunch of new foliage will come out. Whereas the one that you cut off will turn into roots. This one will turn into leaves. And yeah. And you don't even have to do the dunking of the root in hormone powder and putting it in soil if you don't want to. I have had massive amounts of success just sticking the stalks, like stripping off most of the foliage but leaving it at the very end Mm -hmm. and sticking the stalks in like tall, um, you know, takeout plastic cups, like clear plastic cups that you get for your iced tea or pop or whatever in the drive-thru. You just stick them in water. Eventually they will sprout roots oh, as long as you leave dirt. you can just the, leave them in the water you don't water even need the dirt no you yeah. just need them in water but you got to have the knuckles intact if you do that gotcha so you need to cut below the knuckle and then trim back the mother plant after you do that so mm-hmm. that it they both sprout from you don't want a bunch of stuff hanging out that isn't part of a knuckle right right, right. <laughs> so yeah that's that's uh that's like this treasure trove of information i learned about these flowers in my front yard uh-huh I just always had them because my grandma always had them. And I like the way they smell. It's nostalgic. Yeah. I can relate to that. Yeah. I don't know. What else? Uh, I started fermenting some more honey today. Yeah. Yep. um, I got a big thing of honey. I realized the reason that my other little batches of honey weren't fermenting very well is because the honey was imported even though it was raw and it can't, once it gets imported, it gets pasteurized as like a course of. Oh, sure. That's just what they do to everything that comes from outside the country and is imported. So you have to buy honey like from locally. bees in America. Right. Yep. American bees, and it has to be raw. And then you can ferment the hell out of it. They, I'm sitting here watching it bubble like crazy right I now. I just saw they have, um, at Trader Joe's, they now have pickled fermented jalapenos. Oh, God damn. Ooh, they're good. I got some. I'm excited about them. Mm-hmm. I'll get some more. Um, mm. Well, we could call that a short. I mean, wh- how long was that? Like half an hour? 20 that's perfect minutes. we should call that a short we'll make it a short and then we can launch a, a full podcast if we want but all right you guys want to let's do call it that good yeah all right damon do you have any i don't have any final thoughts all right. <laughs> i have no fo- i have no thoughts you have i no have thoughts. no thoughts on these flowers i feel like i've talked too much this podcast and i, I really d- ought to let someone else have <laughs> something to say yeah I d- uh, yeah, it kind of dominated the conversation. That's fair. All right. Well, that's <laughs> fine. So we'll do another podcast where you can have an opportunity to kind of keep your damn mouth shut for a minute. That's right. Yeah. I mean, that's I'll what I got the these cookies up. here for. I'm just going to keep stuffing cookies <laughs> in, your, cookies. in your cake shut hole. It. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, yeah. Okay.